Hi, everyone. Welcome to the TimingResearch.com Crowd Forecast News for March 13th, 2023. We are recording this at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and this is episode number 380. My name is David Cosmeter. I'm the creator of TimingResearch.com, and today I arranged for Norman Hallett and Michael Filigera to join us. And you should be seeing Michael's screen right now, and he's going to be the moderator today. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to him. Thank you, David. Good morning and good afternoon everybody, depending on which coast or in between you happen to be located. Uh, again, my name is Michael Filigera, and I am the proprietor, trader, analyst, all of the above, uh, with Traders Helping Traders and also LogicalSignals.com. So both TradersHelpingTraders.com and LogicalSignals.com. Those are my two websites. Um, they do serve different purposes. And so just to kind of break that down, Traders Helping Traders is where I put all of my updates on YouTube. So that's more associated with YouTube itself. And so I put out a daily uh, update on, uh, I, I call it the Elliott Wave update. So it's more uh, based on Elliott Wave, which those of you who know me realize that that's my side of my story. Um, <clears throat> but I do that for the S&P and the NASDAQ uh, futures markets during the week. I also provide podcasts and uh, lately, my guest has been Dan Ascani. And so we've been talking about a myriad of subjects. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time doing that because it's been a wild, wild and crazy weekend. And today is picking up right, right in that as well. So <clears throat> I am going to switch it back over to Norman, let Norman introduce himself. And then we're just going to dive right in to uh, what we see for today. So Norman. And here I am. And thank you, Michael, for uh, for introducing me. And I'm really uh, I'm always excited to when, when I um, uh, when I share the uh, the podium with you, because uh, we tend to look at things a little bit differently. But but generally, we come out with the same conclusions. In fact, sometimes I have ideas and your work seems to explain what I'm thinking of. Right. <laughs> I give right. Definition. So I, I kind of like that. I think that's, of course, the beauty of experience when you trade. You you really um, you have strong feelings about what you see on the chart and and um, and you make your move knowing that uh, those moves you know can can disappear pretty quickly and um, but they're based on on the rules and regulations that you've traded on for years. So I'm always glad to be with you. I'm uh, my my focus has been for the last couple of decades on the mental and emotional side of trading. Uh, and of course, um, there was a phase of uh, of time about ten years ago where we were trading traders to be. Uh, more disciplined with their trading and they had lousy, but, but it wasn't working very well for them because we were making them disciplined to lousy trading plans. So it's very hard to to um, deal and help traders uh, unless you know that they're on the right path as far. And there's many paths as far as technical analysis is concerned and just to make sure they're on the right path. So I've, I've been I'm, I was known in my early career for writing simple trading plans. I, I do believe in um, in, in in the in in not the repeating uh, uh, tools on your uh, on your on your chart and keeping it as simple as as I can. So um, I uh, I've been concentrating primarily, um, actually focusing lately on what I think is a tremendous um, uh, opportunity for traders, and that's prop trading. And, and at some point, maybe not here, but uh, I'll be uh, I'll be talking to the world a little bit more about. Um, and how to manage prop trading and so on, where uh, you can actually trade somebody else's money for the lion's share of the profit. I know it sounds crazy, but uh, it's something that um, uh, that I think is going to start growing. So thank you, Michael. Let's get into it. 
You're right. Let's get into it. And thank you. Okay, where we always start on this particular program, we are going to focus on the S&P. I'm going to drop this down to my hourly chart because it actually shows the nonsense that we've been going through. But S&P opened this morning. Going to be in that bar, and we're going. I'm going to call the open. It actually was a little bit higher than that. No, wait one second. I got to go down so I can catch this correctly. I show 39.20, but I just want to make sure that I am getting this correct because our first question, of course, 6:30. Yeah, it opened at 38.52. Okay, there you go. 38.52 is the opening in the uh, S&P. So the first question out there is higher or lower. So is it going to is Friday's close going to be higher or lower than thirty eight fifty two? I know. Okay. Well, I, if you want my opinion on, it, I believe I do. I do. <laughs> I think it's, it's just me. Be, it's just I, me and you today. <laughs> I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be lower at the end of the week. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a volatile week. I think there is. Um, you know, there, there, there's certainly. Uh, a mess out there and the right be, to be concerned. In fact, this whole environment of um, of um, of having rising interest rates and yet um, you know squeezing the banks because of that, and then um, and and the, and to help the banks, you, you, you need to lower those interest rates. Um, and it's it's really a, a fight here. But the chart is telling me, uh, for, as far as I'm concerned, there's more downside to go and i think that you what, what moving average is that the golden one is that the eight or the uh no it's the 50. The, oh that's the 50. oh I, I, what am i looking at the daily chart yeah uh, no, the I, hourly I, I moved it back the hourly uh, i'm sorry oh that's okay you can leave it there because i think you're seeing um you know you're, you're seeing what i'm talking about as as the uh is that the 200 i guess the the purple one yeah uh, so uh you know based on the long term uh, the, the the shorter term chart even uh, it looks pretty much like this i use the the eight against the 34 and what happens is that if we stay below the 34 the uh, uh, below the eight the 34 becomes a backstop i look at this chart as a uh, as a negative chart i mean yes we have a double bottom here uh, but not enough i don't believe to counter uh, the the lower highs that we're, we're seeing uh, in the C and the two and, and then the un, unmarked one, uh, the most recent top. Um, right. I think we'll challenge that. I think, uh, you know, the least would be a challenge of this uh, of this bottom, which with the crazy kind of market could come today, you know, or tomorrow. But I think we need to challenge that bottom one more time. You know, I, I was uh, told my wife um, on uh, Friday night that, um, you know, there's very few times that I will hold a position over the weekend uh, but one of the times that I do is when when the market ends on a, ends the week on a uh, on the on the weekly low, uh, you, you very high probability will start uh, Monday lower. And um, and so um, but the answer to your question is, I believe the market's too much under pressure. It'll be choppy, but I, I think we'll be lower at the end of the end of the week. OK. <laughs> and um, what kind of probability or what odds are you given that one? Um, I think it's a fairly high probability, something in the 65, 70, 70% area. Okay. Um, I am not going to disagree with that and I, because I can't. Um, just to kind of review, we are in a situation right now, which not only is it be making it more and more difficult, we are in a high inflation period that is not getting tame, even though they keep 
trying to talk it down, but it's not working. So I think we've put investors, traders are just on edge because the reality is telling us one thing, and yet the market turns and does something totally different. Now, what we had go on last week, which caused a great deal of our decline, was, of course, the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, the failure of Silver Capital, uh, which was basically uh, really functioning with the crypto markets. They just shut the doors. I I want to just state that that the failure of, of a Silicon Valley Bank start to finish took 48 hours, 48 hours before the state of California came in and shut the door and then pulled in the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation and the feds to take over. The regulators came in and took over the bank. Now, how we want to add this in and what we're really looking at, when we consider what is the federal government and the Fed and the Treasury, what are they really fearing right now? Is, of course, that they're not going to be able to tame infl- in, uh, inflation. Interest rates, have they have been talking, talking, talking for the last two weeks, how interest rates are going to consistently move higher over the foreseeable future. Now, I'm quoting Jerome Powell, and he went before Congress, both the Senate and the House, and stated the same thing. That was last week. What comes out after that? A bank failure. And not just any bank, a major Silicon Valley bank with gigantic deposits. And it went down because of a trade that they had on that they were were not prepared for interest rates to be moving like they are, quote unquote, from the bank. Now, what does all this mean for the market? It actually means that that we're teetering on the precipice of dropping over and, and just collapsing. And the Fed, in all of their wisdom, have pulled out the PPT, and those that may not know that, plunge protection team. And I'm serious, these people, this group is real. And they met Friday, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, came up with their decision. And on Sunday, yesterday, at Globex opening, they moved into the market. And there were there, and the PPT, the uh the plunge protection team is a federally regulated, federally created team that will move in to protect the markets from collapsing. And actually, they were put into place uh, during the Reagan administration because of 1987. So we've got a lot of experience, or they have now got a lot of experience, but now they've come back. And they're doing this, forcing the market to stabilize higher to prevent a crash, when in fact, the market really should. And so they're also at the same time trying to change the narrative, which is, well, you know, maybe we got to look at those interest rates. And gee, do we continue to raise the rate? So now the market's going like, well, well, we'll see what tomorrow's CPI figure brings us. Now, I feel it's very necessary to when you're looking at the S&P and you're looking at our equity markets, you cannot ignore the bond markets. Hands down, folks, the bond markets have been on fire. Rally, 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 rally. Well, that's where PPT also comes in. Force that up. 
force it up. Now, it just so happens that on an Elliott Wave basis, it fits my Elliott Wave count to a T. I have been looking for this rally off of lows here, you know, so bond price lows uh, and interest or rate highs at the moment, and now we're getting it. And it, it the 30-year had it's up two points today was up over three points on on friday was up over three points on thursday these are massive massive moves in the bonds but it's a setup it's a setup it's a flight to quality it's all this other stuff and then and then moving so that's just normal stuff that'll go on with the market now we got to add into it that yesterday because of the ppt team coming in and doing what they were doing manipulating the market higher to prevent it from crashing what does that then happen? Right at that same time, we've had a futures roll between the March contract, which was going off the board, and the June contract, which is now front month. So traders, big and small, need to roll those contracts out if their intent is they need to have that hedge, so to speak, long or short. They need to roll that out to the June contract. Well, they they knew they were going to start it yesterday. This gigantic move forced it into play and shoved the market up another 100 points. So it was fairly incredible to see how this confluence of a comedy of errors, so to speak, came in, forcing the market higher, delivering a truly false narrative to the general public and the general investment public. Which, now, which which leads us in, in a, to an interesting place. I mean, we've we will you know technical analysts believe that the the, the price uh, the current price is the uh, is the reflection of uh, of the current situation plus say six months out uh, that used to be with with with, with current data feeds and and uh, and um, AI and 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 other uh, and emotion and, and speed of the market, uh, that forward look has probably collapsed to a month or oh, six weeks, would you believe? Yeah. Uh, so I that, think it's that, actually, yeah, I, I agree with you on that 100%. But there additional adds to the to the things you mentioned, so which are great because it's very, very true. Uh, one of the biggest, biggest changes that we've all seen is there's a lot more play going on with volatility. There are probably seven to 12 to maybe even more volatility ETFs, volatility sub uh, ETFs, or just volatility indexes that are based on volatility. So on and on and on. And those are played and, and really run by very, very big firms. So we got that that comes into play. We also have and they've been in, they've been around for a little bit now, but I think a lot of people don't understand them. There, you'll hear a lot of people talking about zero DTE options. What the zero stands for is, of course, the number zero. So the DTE is days to expiration. Now, normally you have an option that you it would it would expire every month. Right. So you have contracts for, for for March, you have contracts for April, you have contracts for May. Well, now that's that's advanced. So those expirations still exist, but now we have weekly expirations. So we have options that, that come on on that Monday morning and they expire on that Friday. But they actually can trade 
longer, but they become into play on a Monday to that Friday. Those are the weekly options. Then they decided to add even more. So then we got daily expirations, and those occur in the ES, the SPX, the NDX, the NQ, uh, and I believe some of the treasury markets. So again, now we've got a whole different set of givens where they come in in the morning. So for example, here in the S&P, these are options that are going to expire today. So that's all the life they have. This volatility you can see in the S&P has increased substantially with what we saw happen on Friday, Thursday, Friday, and then what we now saw happen over the weekend, look at the volatility, start to go through the roof in the S&P. So that's being measured by the VIX. We understand that. But these options now all expire today. So now you really need to go and try to figure out where are they gathering? So I look at the puts and I see that the volume in the puts is 38.50. Well, that's a target. So you have a large put position that's at 38.50. I know we have another one down further, but then you can see how they put these positions on. They have another one right at 3,900. But if I pull this open even more, we're going to see that there is, it's a butterfly between 3,800, 3,850, So it's a big position on they're just kind of boxing in the range, but they're trading heavily. So, and then we have also all of the, uh, Greeks that go in with options. So it's a it's not the easiest concept to understand, but more importantly, what I want to really put in as the underlying catalyst here is that this is what will control movement in the futures market because they're gearing towards these strike prices. Now, right now, if I kind of just take a glance over the calls, they're still wrapped around 3,900. I have now watched several times today, let me go back to my chart, where this market, now this is the hourly chart, and I can go, oh, actually, let me get rid of that, I can get rid of that. I can go down to here, and I'm on a one-minute chart, let me move that over, and just bring this out. Um, sorry, I think this is important, so just give me the moment to kind no, of show you. We're still seeing the hourly up here. Oh, you're right. So let me get that ready. Let me do that. And I'm going to go like this. Come on. Come on. There you go. I'm just going to say share. And now you should see this chart that's kind of all messy, but I'll get that cleaned up real quick. I'm going to close that now. And it didn't take it off. All right. So anyway, on my one minute chart, these moves, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or in nine minutes, the market went from 39.24 to 39.00. That's 24 S&P points in nine minutes. So money much perched straight. Then you get these little drops. That's just them moving in. But then they come back in here from 39.00, take it back up to 39.10. That's a $10 move in a minute. So they're very, very large moves. And what's my point here is like this is the, when the PPE or PPT people come moving in. And this is all part of what we got to trade against. Now, depending on what type of a style of trader you are, if you're a day trader, you're just trying to follow your signals. You're just trying to move in and move out with whatever they're doing. I'm going to go with them. And if you can get into that rhythm, 
you'll make your money. If you're a position trader, you're like, okay, what do I do? Do I get out of my short? Do I go long? Do I, you know, how do I change and where do I need to go? And where, so do, I put my, where do I put my stops? Where do you put your stops? What's going on? So when we get into a situation like this, when we've got the government and we've got the president now, the banking system is safe. He's doing nothing more than relying on what the Treasury Secretary and the Federal Reserve Chairman are telling him. So guess where the blame just got shifted? So we got this whole political thing. And I want to tell you, folks, not to add politics to the thing, but when anything with the market gets politicized, we're doomed. That's all I got to say. We're doomed. You, you've, because- you've said a lot of things here. I got a que- I got a question for you about the the, the zero options. I mean, yes, I'm, I, I was skeptical of the week, and I mean, when when one trades options, um, the longer you trade options, the more you and the way you adjust whichever strike price you take. A lot of it has to do with the concept of extrinsic value and the value, right. of, which is the value of time in options. I mean, right. uh, when I was instructing um, traders in options years ago, um, you know, and, and the market moves, um, had a nice move in a, in a northerly direction, and somehow the call options and under certain strikes hardly moved. Right. And, um, you know, you, you, you got to ask yourself why, you know, the, the price moved up. Why didn't, why don't I see it? In the um, why don't I see it in the in the in the extrinsic value, which would be in the reflected in the total price a premium of an option? So there's a lot of things that go on, but the mastery of understanding how uh, how the extrinsic value, the the time the time value um, collapses and expands is really the key to uh, to to really being consistent option trade. So my question to you, um, yes, my question to you is the is in these zero options. Your well, let me first say that that in generally when you're trading crazy markets like this with the wild swings, I mean, how do you defend yourself? Or how can you take a, at least a more cautious stand but still be involved? And and to me, the answer is taking on small, shorter time frames and and acting right. more quickly. But right, and in the same sense, it seems that's what what we're doing here with these one day and one week and and now zero day options. I'm asking you. My question to you is. Now that uh, you seem to have um, have some experience now with these zero and and even the daily and weekly options, what what are the characteristics of the extrinsic value that you've experienced? Well, it gets it, good question, Norman. Thank you. It gets wrapped around. First, we need to have a little bit of understanding of what the Greeks are. So the basic Greeks are Greeks. <laughs> the va- basic Greeks are delta, gamma, theta. Vega, Rho, and now they've added charm and other measurements. Mm. Now, the big ones are Delta. Very, very quickly here, folks. The, if, you're, if your option has a Delta of 50, what that basically is telling you is that if your underlying moves a dollar, your option should move 50 cents, plus or minus. So if the Delta then goes to 100, you're basically going to be considered your option is in the money. So your strike price is well above or below the current level of where the index or your underlying is trading. Now, the gamma is an instrument or just it's a reading, and that's going to tell you that for every one point move in the underlying, your gamma tells you how much your delta will change. So if you have a high gamma reading, 
you're you're going to get a lot longer or shorter in that option trade depending on what's actually happening in the market. So negative gamma, you're getting longer. Positive gamma, you're getting shorter. So now we go one more. We have theta. Theta is actually the decay of this option. Now, just remember that the whole concept of China option, the way it was presented to me as an early market maker, was an option is designed and created to go to zero. So, and what it really references, and again, let's take a look at these options. Right now, this index is trading at 38.64. So our, our in the money call and put right now is 38.65. So in essence, now it's dropping below. But in essence, if we use 65, well, geez, look at that. This is offered at $15, $16. So what in essence am I doing here? Well, if you were to pay $16 to have the right to to buy 100 shares of, of or one future in the S&P at 81 paying 306 $3,865 for it right now it's barely worth 25 cents now it's it's not worth anything but wait a minute it's being offered at $15.25 well all guess what now you can add that to that and you're going to realize what you're paying and let me show you why Every for every call, it's a put. These two go together. So if I were to take that and subtract it from that and add it or subtract it from that, it should equal this. So having that in mind, now we're going to go back. So when we're talking about decay, we're talking about the price of the option. And if you're so, if you're this far out of the money right now, right? The 39.55 options are only offered at 30 cents. Which still, what is it's in? Now you were talking about extrinsic versus intrinsic. What is the intrinsic value of a thirty-nine fifty-five call with the underlying at thirty-eight sixty-seven? Zero. So this is premium. When you have playing volatility, you're looking at the premium. If you're one of these high frequency trading firms who scan, what do they trade in these options? They're looking for premium and they lock in their prices quicker than you can blink your eye. And that, folks, is how they walk away with hundreds of thousands of dollars guaranteed every day. It's just trading, but they've, protect, they've perfected it with computers, with algorithms. So there are ways that I can look at this, and I'm not going to get too confusing here, but let's just say we're looking at the 3870 call, and let's look at the whole line. So in essence, if I wanted to go trade this and I'm doing it against that, then if I sell this call at $14 for the sake of the argument, so I don't want to you know mess around here, then in, in essence, I'm selling the right to somebody to purchase one S&P future from me at $38.70, but I'm selling them that call at $14. So in essence, I am selling this index to them at $38.84. Now I turn around and I buy this at 369. Okay, so that we can just quickly at, at I, I sell the stock at 3869. I've sold it at 3874 and 3869. It's telling me that this put should be worth five dollars. 
So you can see the massive amount of premium that's here. So that's not a doable trade because if I sell that and buy that, then what am I really? I have a position in the put as well. And then you're dealing with different gamma. So back to this whole picture. So on this day, there are a lot of books, a lot of trading firms that they need to balance things out and they're going to do it in this because that comes off today. All of this settles in cash. Mm -hmm. That's the other benefit of using the futures market or the SPX for that matter, because that's also gigantic because it settles in cash. The uh, bond, the 30-year bond and the treasury notes, their options settle in cash. That's why they are so popular. Who wants to really be involved with take either taking delivery of something or dealing with long or short stock? So if you're putting a trade on, that's why you'll see a lot of them at the very end. They pair it up and they do what they need to do in the stock to come out at zero. So DTE has now moved up collectively and is doing between 40 and 45% of all option volume every day, Monday through Friday. Now, what does that do to our picture of where we think the market should or should not go? Well, if they're playing around here, but I can see that they're really working uh, our last nerve in terms of, of thing. And I can see right here, well, I got 38.50. Well, I can see them pushing it up. And then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, they start knocking it down, knocking it down, knocking it down. And the next thing you know, it's sitting at 38.50 because they need to get it back down there because of their puts, for example. We're up here. See all those puts? So if you're short those puts, you want to keep this index higher so these go out worthless. If you're long those puts and you're trying to trigger something, which would be below 38.50, all of the shorts got to react. Right. Got to react. If you're long, you don't care. You need it to go and you start making your money. But it's a game and it's all electronic and it is played. Now, back to what we think you're in the market. I know it's a long way around and it's a lot of information, but this is what is creating our intraday moves that last for much longer than we would anticipate. Now, you, I think you'd be hard pressed, even if say we didn't see yesterday's Globex opening and that little folly they did running it up. The, the majority of people really felt the market should continue to move lower. Why? Because the pressure is back on interest rates. And we have one bank failure that we know of and another that was announced yesterday. D, Signature Bank. Also, they're, both, they're, they're both 200. I just looked, I looked them up earlier today. They're both $200 billion in assets. Those both right, right. So we have them. Then we have, don't forget that not, not last week, Silvergate Capital shut its doors, just shut the doors. I don't know what their evaluation is. Now, on the Warren list, on, I mean, take a look at the banking sector. JP Morgan's down two. Goldman Sachs is down 11. Bank of America down. Citicorp down three. Fifth Third Bank, big bank, now under attack. Charles Schwab under attack. We can take a peek. Um, let me get it up there. So it's the KRB, which is 
No, I'm pretty sure. I thought this was no MB 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 and A Corp. Yeah, that makes sense. That's another bank. Um, there is the KRN. WKRB in Cincinnati? Yeah, really. I don't think it's that one, but that was good. Um, it it it's an ETF that monitor, it is the banks. And that thing has been sliding through the floor very, very dangerously. Oops. I'm sorry. I'll get my fingers together. So we have a lot going on. And this presents an extremely confusing picture. If you're just coming in once a day to get some market news and you're trying to figure out, gee, now what do I do now? Am I going to, should I be bullish? And I see that Apple was up to over $3 earlier. Guess why? They understand which ones, which stocks they should go to because, and where did they go today? Apple and Microsoft. That then spread to Netflix, to Meta, to Google, to Amazon, to AMAT, to A and, and AMD eventually. Now, these stocks were chosen because they carry the heaviest weight in both the S&P and the NASDAQ. Mm -hmm. You want to manipulate? You need to manipulate. You need to push an index higher. You're part of the PPT, you know, the plunge protection team. Well, let's go. And do you think that all the meetings that they had behind their closed doors were just so that they could discuss how we're going to rescue these banks? Or why would they include JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and all the executives from all over Wall Street? You guys are involved. Come on. Here's what you have to do. So again, we have way too much going on to try to make any type of a call. So again, I still rest on the fact that I believe the markets will go down. I don't think there's any easy way out of this situation that they have themselves created. The reason why Silicon Valley Bank went down was because of the 10-year notes that they purchased, and they were going to hold to maturity, while the rate that they bought was 1.63, while the 10-year note is trading above four. Right? Not right now. It's back down towards three and a half. But even at that, so is the market giving them an out? It's like, okay, we're going to bring this down out of the rafters so you can close that position. Because if if you're if they're trying to attract me to come in and take over the assets of Silicon Valley Bank, I don't want that one. Look what it did to them. It knocked them out of business. I don't want that. I don't want that position. Oh, well, let's see if we can get that bond up to maybe where it's going to make it a little bit more comfortable to close that position. So maybe the regulators are going to do that. Again, we don't know. We can't get behind that curtain so that we can see what essentially is going on. We just need to trade. And here is my answer to all of that. I trade day trade. That's it. I'm an ex-market maker. So I am one of those people that stood in a crowd screaming and yelling and shaking your hands and buying and selling and providing markets by offer, bid and offer or the investing public. And that could have been, you know, professional, non-professional, whatever you want to call it. But that was my obligation to the exchange. But the volatility and the inside moves and all the things that were going on really forced me to go, I don't want to carry any overnight risk anymore. Because the volatility was just, you know, even though it wasn't really showing me anything, it still was too, there was too, way too much risk. And that's what I'm witness, witnessing right now. Between Friday and today, the risk factor has, as measured by that VIX, is, is a piece of garbage because the risk factor is actually much, much higher than that in my book. Because what is the risk? The risk is that the, the, the plug does get pulled. Reality does set in. We come in tomorrow and the CPI 
is not showing any great improvement. In fact, it's showing that it's getting worse. What's that do? Puts the pressure back on the Fed to, to eat their words. And you better and you, you better start continuing to raise these rates. Well, well, we can't raise the rates because then we're going to knock out a few more banks. So here's my other analogy. The Federal Reserve and the Treasury, because they, they have a voice, have painted themselves into a corner, except they're not using paint. They're using super glue. So they can't get out. They're stuck permanently. And we got no solvent that's going to break it off of their feet and their toes and their and their whatever. So the Fed and the federal government and the Treasury Department are truly between a rock and a hard place. And they're trying to put on a brave face and they're pushing our president out there so that you see, it's now just been turned political. Not going to have a happy ending. Not going to have a happy ending at all. Now, I do give this a fairly high rating to close lower. Now, that does not mean that we come in tomorrow and they somehow get that CPI number to be favorable to them and we race up. I really think that we have algorithms that they do. Their whole purpose on earth is to react to the news. And so they've been programmed for keywords inside a number report, like a CPI report, or you know any of the earnings reports or anything that's going to Talk about if we've got a Fed governor, they they program in 25, 50, 75 basis points. And if that gets mentioned and it's different than where it is, boom, you'll see the you'll see the suddenly the market reacts. It's an algorithm. It's computerized. So that's all going to be into play tomorrow. Right now, I do think that we do go back up, but I think we finished today up here. I need us to make another new high. And on an Elliott Wave basis, because those of you that know me know that that's what I do, this is nothing but a very small second wave, which is not really that small anymore. And either it's done there, and this, again, is just a start of something. It comes back up, but it'll die. We don't know yet, but here we sit. And I think we come back up here, and then we'll get CPI. Now, if I had to use my Elliott Wave count, CPI should be the nail in the coffin here, or kill the gorilla in the coal mine. The canary's already dead. <laughs> now it is. Now we're looking at a gorilla sitting in there going like, okay, what do I do? I'm getting a little dizzy here, folks. The air is pretty thin. So it it's even the, the plunge protection team, even the Fed and the Treasury. I mean, Janet Yellen did come out and say, no, she's not going to bail out Silicon Valley Bank, but FDIC is. So it's like, well, this is not going under your department, Janet. You know, it's going to somebody else's department. It's going to the Federal Reserve. So it it's not pretty. And it's very confusing. And I would agree with Norman. It, it's like, unless you've got specific reasons to come in and trade, and you're dead solid on, on the trade itself, on the parameters that you've set, um, then you'll trade. If you have to make an adjustment on an existing position, trade. Because my other, my other, it's it's not really advice. It's just like guidance, I guess you would call it. Getting frozen during the headlights because of a move in the market is is devastating. It's extremely negative, and it can really cause a lot of hurt to your P and L. So, but being able to just react and continue to trade, 
If you have the position on, you don't necessarily want to take it off. You better know how to adjust it, that it's going to be reflective and take care of whatever's taking your money away and maybe even that out or put some money back in your account. And then you need to adjust again when it reverses back into the direction you thought it was going to go, that's going to make you the money on your position. So I guess we're taking it one step further and you force yourself to actually learn how to be more of an engaged type trader. Um I know we've spent a lot of time talking about one little product and we normally try to do other things. Um, if there's something from, from anybody that's here listening, if there's something that you all want to hear, please just put it in the chat. We got still got about 15 minutes. Norman and I could talk about it. If not, I'm going to flip it back over to Norman. Michael, would you uh, spread that? Um, uh, just give me more, uh, spread the chart a little bit so I can, yeah, keep going. Uh, right, right about there. Right, right there is fine. I want to, you know, this this could be a good time to listen. When when Michael and I are gone, and it's going to be you and your computer again. And um, you know, most traders with experience will tell you that it's these kinds of times that uh, that tra that traders dream of. And it's 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 a little bit counterintuitive from the standpoint that can you really control uh, as well uh, what's going on in the market when it's volatile like this as as you can when it's not quite as volatile. Uh, and, and the answer is yes, you can. There are a few things that I would suggest that you do in order to, um, to be successful in these kinds of markets. In general, when we put on positions, um, and we as, as general traders, if something starts to move in our favor, our mind starts to say, well, this could be the big one. This is one that, 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 uh, that could result in a nice, nice move. So, so let's kind of keep it on and, and trail it with a stop. That's mm -hmm. not the way to approach these fast moving markets, because when you have these kinds of fast moving volatile markets, it can go against you just as quickly as you can. So one of my, my one of my major suggestions to you is that you start to learn how to use limits rather than just putting on a position and putting in a stop. Uh, you've got to in these kinds of markets, you've got to grab you. You've got to grab the movement that the market gives you. When, right after you apply your trigger, um, and 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 you have to take on the, the 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 framing that yes, I'm going to grab a small amount. Let's call it let's call it scalping. Uh, but it's hard to hard to call it scalping when some of these moves can be you know 20 points in the S and P very quickly, as uh, as Michael pointed to. But the idea is that you need to to identify first your A plus trigger. The one that you have seen normally in trading that gives you a, a nice start to a trade. Um, there are many ways to exit a trade, but in these kinds of environments, I suggest that you exit a trade by putting on the all of the positions, all the all the contracts, say in the futures market that you want to put on, put them on initially so that you uh, you can take advantage of what you've identified as an A plus trigger to give you an immediate. Uh, um, move in your favor the majority of the time, and then scale out uh, almost immediately as the market progresses using using particular limit orders. And I just think that in in general, that's a much better approach than putting on a position in this kind of market and then expecting the the position to expand. You've got to you know we always um, I, I always I don't know where I got this from, but years ago. You know, you want to leave. You want to leave some profit for somebody else. You don't want to be that greedy. Take take what you're 
what your A plus trigger gives you on an initial move and move on. This is the way I think to really maximize these because some of these quick moves can be, I mean, they're very, it could be five, six, eight points in the S and this has been, it was a huge week for me last week. And, and it's, it already started out today with, with, um, with some of these movements, these, uh, you're, you're looking at you're looking at the um, uh, the daily in the S&P. The last time this market, um, if you look the last time it approached the 200 day moving average in that peak, it gave me one of my most uh, valued triggers uh, in that down movement through the uh, first the blue moving average there. Can you point to that? Do you know what, you're, what I'm talking about? I'm sorry. Say I, it again, please. Yeah, the, right there. The, uh, the last peak. The one that that uh, that challenged the the two hundred day moving average, um, yeah, that one right there. That that right there. That Doji or Spinner followed by a a a, a, a reason oh. a nice size uh, through the moving average. I use the eight, and you can use the nine. Uh, that and closing there showed me that the market was ready to correct. I, I can't go into all of the reasons, but I was in that that particular movement right there. That next bar, and right. And, but I wasn't in for the next bar because I felt that because because my trigger is what gives me my advantage. And I'm just I'm just trying to stress out there that you want to you want to reduce the time frames that you trade. You want to reduce the the time that you spend in a trade and you want to start to take advantage of limits rather than trying to trail something with a stop. Uh, you know, actually, the other uh, this morning was one of the first times I saw. Slip it, slippage that I haven't seen from a stop yeah. in a long time. So yes. uh, when you think slippage is not around anymore, you know, try these kinds of markets. Use limits when you can. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, we did actually get asked a question, and thank you, Paul, for asking. And he's saying, do we think that SoFi and Bank of America will be adversely affected by the bank crisis? It's a great question, mm -hmm. one that is being asked to many across the board. SoFi. You can see is already being affected, but only because the entire sector is being affected. So we we saw overnight the big bounce. We saw the big sell, and now the little bit of a recovery off of that that big push lower. What it all means again, Paul? It's a very difficult thing because I don't, I cannot see inside of SoFi to see what their assets are. Uh, I, I do believe this is an online bank, or, or tell me what SoFi does that might help. Um, but Bank of America, while you're looking up that for me, Bank of America, wow. it also is being affected. But here's the difference. JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, et cetera, et cetera. They have very, very, very large amounts of money. So do I think they're going to be affected? Yes, simply because the whole sector is being affected. Do I think that that they're going to be called to pay or whatever? Um, I would be surprised, depending on the depth of they cannot get this whole thing stopped or or not even necessarily reversed, just stopped. And we start to see uh, runs on the banks, then it doesn't make any difference who you are. Even I would be like pulling my money. But but the big question is right now, because so much of what we do is electronic. Nobody goes into a bank and shows up at the window with their with their withdrawal slip. 
We're just taking it out of an ATM. We're taking it and, and putting it somewhere else online. And the big question is like, where else are you going to put it? You know, where where can you get the cash? And then where are you going to put the cash? So I think we're really hard between a rock and a hard place due to the technology, due to the advancements. It's like, well, what do we do now? And I agree. What do we do now? What do we do now? So, yeah, I, I, I have a, you know, I, I think pretty strongly that uh, those that are, you know, have long time horizons, especially new investors and so on. When you see these kinds of, uh, of, of, of dives in a, in a stock that has the credibility that the Bank of America has, I mean, when it's all over, uh, individuals will be asking, where can I put my money that's safe? And um, I think that a lot of that response is going to be the Bank Americas and yeah. Bank of America. So I, I think that that in the end, when you get these kinds of, of um, uh, these kinds of pricing for the very long term or for the, you know, for the three, four, five year horizon, uh, I think it's a it's a good buy and hold th- something like Bank America during these times. I mean, they've already uh, the government has already um, shown its hand that it's not willing to let some of these banks fail. The problem is, uh, you know, it's easy to talk about uh, $400 billion, I guess, in saving a lot of that money. I mean, the banking institutions um, will contribute to that as well. You know, there's a, the fund that's been collected, uh, that gets collected by the banks are supposedly going to pay for all of this, but there will come a time uh, if the banks continue to fail that that, that won't be, the, uh, that, that you won't have that kind of safety net. Right. Uh, and, and right. so, uh, but I, I think that until then, they're going to, uh, they're going to look at, listen, we always think the worst is going to happen than what happens. But um, I would say that to dabble uh, in, in, in buying the Bank, Bank of America around these areas, 27, 26, 25, or wherever it winds up to, um, you know, is, is a good long-term play. Just my thinking yeah. uh, about confidence, because really, banks are all about confidence. Yeah, um, true, and, uh, true. Um, thank you, David, for providing this a little bit of information on SoFi Technologies. So, Paul, to answer your question, and again, I'm not delving inside to know uh, where all of their assets lie and where all of their exposure may exist. But being that they provide financial products, including student and auto loans, mortgages, personal loans, credit cards, etc., they are likely lending out at much higher than where they got in. So they're borrowing that money to turn around and lend it back out. Again, if they got in at low rates, they do have some exposure. It's still called the carry trade. Mm -hmm. And it's the carry trade that is driving the destruction. And the carry trade, folks, is nothing more than you borrow the money, say, for example, from the government at low, low rates, and then the rates go up on you. Because if you're borrowing it, let's say at, let's call it one and a half percent, and you've got a nice term on your loan, and then you go out and you invest that capital in something else, like lending money out, and you are lending it out at say 3%, 4%, 5%, and then your underlying, which is like the bond that you're basing it against, is now trading at four and a half or five percent. You have a bad trade on that'll that'll put risk. So I I would think that I think that's why they got hit is because the perception is is like they may they may have some exposure. And again, you'd have to keep a close eye on it to kind of see what if anything comes up. 
it won't take very long. If it happened to Silicon Valley in 48 hours, this is all happening faster than I ever dreamed could be possible, to be honest with you. Yeah. So on that, we're getting very close to our end here. Al, uh, Norman, I'm going to flip it back to you and just let us know again who you are, where you are, and how people can get a hold of you. Appreciate that. I want to just uh, mention that, uh, you know, the reaction of, of gold and silver today really. Uh, oh, yeah. If, big story there. Crisis, if, they use, if, if all of a sudden we, you know, the money that the all of the banks contribute to finance um, situations like we have right now, if that starts to get to the red line, uh, we're going to have it's going to be a question of keeping your eye on the money supply again. Uh, right. as, you know, we've kind of left that. Um, Which, but, you know, by the, the way, it's been declining. Yeah, and and that that could that could change um, if if we if if the government needs to bail out the bank with with money that they need to create. So something I'm watching the sensitivity is there. I wanted to uh, just invite people to uh, to download a um, a new uh, white paper that had just come out with called the Death of Simulated Trading. I think that if you go to the DisciplinedTrader.com, I'm going to make you spell discipline. The DisciplinedTrader.com forward slash no sim, N O S I M, the disciplinetrader.com forward slash no sim. You can pick up the, the white paper. It's, um, it's my, uh, my feeling about how, um, about how simulated trading and moving to, uh, moving to real money after you simulated trade. It's a gap, it's a jump that uh, most people can't make. And, and in this paper, uh, I show you an alternative that. Uh, that will really um, um, bring down some of the stress from simulated trading uh, to trading real money. And the answer is really trading somebody else's money. I show you uh, my thinking about that. Anyway, thank you, uh, everybody, for being here. And thanks, uh, thanks, Michael, for for having me. I always enjoy listening to uh, your perceptions because they come from a different place. But again, we always uh, seem to come to the same conclusions. Yes. Thank you, Norman. And once again, I am Michael Filigera. My websites are tradershelpingtraders.com and logicalsignals.com. Tradershelpingtraders.com is where I publish everything I have on YouTube. And that'll include daily updates on an Elliott Wave basis, plus a lot of additional information. And that was to be on the ES and the NQ. And then also I do a big picture update on Saturdays, and that includes uh, treasuries, uh, SPX, NDX. So I go over and do the cash, uh, bonds, gold and silver, and the dollar index. Plus, I have guests. Hopefully, Norman and I are going to get it together, and we're going to have, he's going to come on and be a guest on my podcast. And so I'll have that up there as well. So I uh, also have a trade room, and we're and I'm going to be expanding that trade room, and we're growing, and we're putting in a lot of new products. So keep an eye on that. If you have an interest, drop me an email, michael at mjf1partners.com, and... Uh, I'll be more than happy to fill in all the blanks. And David, I went over by one minute. Sorry about that. I'm going to turn it back oh, to you. Fine. And thank you very much. Yeah, that was great. Uh, great discussion today. So, ton of good info uh, for everyone. So, just a quick reminder for everyone: be sure to subscribe to Timing Research on YouTube and Substack and your favorite podcast app. Also, you can just go to timingresearch.com, and there's a post at the top of the page that will become the archive for today's uh, event as soon as I can get everything processed. Um, also, if you missed this last week, we had a great three-day event, uh, our fifth annual Women Teach Trading and Investing Synergy Trader Series event. Um, we had 23 presentations throughout the three days. And so there's a ton of good education there. 
uh, and that is all available on timing research uh, for um, permanently archived. And so you can catch up on that whenever you want. Um, and uh, I just want to thank my guests again for today. Uh, Norman Hallett of thedisciplinetrader.com and Michael Filigera of logicalsignals.com and tradershelpingtraders.com. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.